Blog Talk Radio. Amanda and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Jean. Hi. Glad to have you guys here tonight. And the holiday season is upon us once again, and it's starting, for those of us that are in the U.S., it's starting with Thanksgiving this week. And in light of this, we thought it was timely to revisit tips and strategies, not just for surviving the holiday season, but also for reaping the gifts and choices and freedoms that we enjoy as people in recovery. And if you are newly sober, there is no doubt that this can be a challenging time. So we thought we'd begin the show by sharing some basic tips and advice and um, offer up some ways that you can think ahead and prepare for the holiday season because I think just starting right off the top, that's definitely one of the things that I find, you know, it doesn't matter if you're new to recovery or you've been around a while, um, not getting caught unprepared is certainly one of the things that I find to be the the biggest tools in my toolbox is to feel like I have some control over who I surround myself with and where I go instead of feeling like the situation is controlling me. Um, So I would say that uh, thinking ahead is probably the number one first thing that we would love to emphasize this evening. And um, think about the situations that you're going to encounter. And if it's currently hard for you to be around alcohol, and and this can happen at any stage in our recovery. We don't have to be newly sober for this to be true, but be honest with yourself and sort of look deep in, and are you in an emotionally fragile place? Um, Are you just feeling stressed and tired overall? And if now now is not the time for heroics, and keep your expectations realistic. If it's going to be too difficult, in any situation, whether it's logistically, you know, running back and forth between different houses or cooking dinner or being around people that could be emotionally um, triggery for you, then maybe this year is a time to do something different. Make different plans, set new traditions, and don't set yourself up to fail. Um, it's totally okay to spend quiet time at home watching movies or hanging out with safe or sober friends or volunteering at a shelter. Um, or go to a recovery meeting. It's a it's a time to kind of honor the fragility of your sobriety um, and put your self care at the top of the list. And maybe think about doing something something different this year. That's that's one of the things that we wanted to emphasize the most tonight. And holidays are usually about family. I mean, that's the first thing we think of is gathering somewhere with all our families at during holiday time and and. You know where? Do, what's the source of us? When we go when we go to therapy, the first thing we start to figure out is our family is probably one of the contributing <laughs> factors. To our oh yeah, so, that's true. So a point uh, to consider is that if if there are people in your family that are a trigger for you, be ready. Whether it's because they always pour you a drink as soon as you walk in the door, or because they start pushing your buttons um, the moment you walk in the door. 
So just remember you don't have to go to every fight that you're invited to. Um, you can always kind of think ahead of a few things to say. And maybe instead of trying to think of the best zinger to throw back at them, um, maybe focus on ways that you could diffuse tension instead of feeding it. Mm. That's a great great suggestion. Um, and another good thing to do is to have safe people to call um, and program their numbers into your phone in advance and tell them that you're going to call if things get tough for you. And um, if everyone around you is drinking and it starts to bring you down, talking to someone else who is sober helps you remember that you are not alone. So definitely, you know, get a list of numbers in your phone. And um, even if you're feeling okay, it's not a bad idea to step out and call someone in your recovery community, someone that's sober, and just say, you know, talk about how you're doing. Um, Because they may need an ear to, to talk to them, too. That's definitely true, and I think that telling the other sober people or safe people, they don't have to be people in recovery, but people who are aware of your situation and talk to them about your plans. I mean, even if you're feeling rock solid and great and I can do I mean, usually the number one thing that I pay attention to is if I think, I got this or I can do this, that's usually a sign that I probably don't have it and I can't do it. But um, tell people in advance about not only what you're doing but that they're people that you would love to be able to use as a resource um, during the holidays or surrounding the holiday season just so that you can't, or you, I. this is something that I would do. Um, I get to that, oh, I don't want to bother them, or they're with their families, or they're, I get their buy-in um, that they're on my list of safe people even before I'm in a situation where I need to call. Um, and then I tell them I'm going to plan to check in before and during and after any potentially triggery social situation or holiday dinner or event um, that ca- that keeps me accountable. It keeps me safe, and you know I don't I don't have to use the telephone either. If it's difficult to do that, I love texting or sometimes emailing just to check in because I can do that from anywhere. I it can even be sitting with in a room with the people who are triggering me, and I can just shoot up a text or shoot up an email, and it automatically gives me that feeling of not being the only one out there who is getting through the holidays without drinking. <laughs> You're so sneaky. <laughs> I just have this image yeah. of you, like, with your phone under the, the table. <laughs> Next yeah, time you text me, i be like, are you, are you in the living room with your ex-relative Trigger. right now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I meant ex as in blank, not as in past, but you can take that well, as you Well, they both work. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the best pieces of advice that anyone gave me when I first quit drinking was to take my own drinks with me any time I went to a social gathering. And um, that's true for parties. Even even if you're going to an event um, that's a, a function that's um, that might have a bar, I will, uh, my husband is so great, he'll often stick a couple like tonic waters or O'Doul's or something in his pocket for me, in his soup pocket, <laughs> because a lot of times they, you know, they don't have anything nice that's not alcoholic. So, Um, bring your own drinks wherever you go. If you're going to your friend's house or family's house, if you always show up with um, your favorite kind of soda water or something, over time people will start to figure out that that's what they should have on hand for you. Um, We thought nothing of that our friends would always make sure there was wine there for us when we went to visit them, but we can retrain them to have other things for us. But meanwhile, bring your own with you. And that's especially important if you're going to be in situations where people don't know you're sober. Um, I've also 
heard it said and found this to be true that most people don't really care what you're drinking. They're just trying to be a good host, and that means that their job is to make sure your glass is full. So if you just kind of make sure that you have your own drinks and you keep your glass full, then people probably aren't going to be pestering you all night asking you if you want something to drink. They probably won't even notice, Mm. really. Yeah, Very true. And that, that's a great advice. I actually, someone told me that they went to a wedding and there was literally nothing except for beer and wine and maybe alcohol. But there were there was not, actually, I don't even, I think it was just beer and wine, so there wasn't even mixers. So it was either tap water, like literally from the bathroom, <laughs> or beer or wine. So that's a really, that's another really good reason to bring your own drink. Yeah. Um and the the thing too is if you're not drinking, don't feel that you need to over explain yourself. You know, um, people say they don't, you know, no thanks. I'm having water, you know, I'm having water or whatever all the time. And if you feel that that someone's pressuring you, I know for me, I, I was a little bit cautious because people were so used to me drinking and being kind of the ringleader or the party girl. Um, I happened to have been very forthcoming and saying no, I don't drink anymore. But you don't have to be as blatant as I, you know, as I was or I am. You can say something, you know, have an answer ready. You know, a little white lie never hurts. You can say you're on antibiotics or you're doing that, um, what's it called, the 30-day thing that everyone's doing. Whole you know, 30, yeah. <laughs> the whole 30, you know, where I don't believe you drink alcohol. And, you know, there's plenty of things, you know, you're watching your calories or, you know, you don't have to say you're pregnant. That's a little bit extreme. But you can. <laughs> Especially you know, if you're a guy, you I don't think up. that's going to work. <laughs> no, nope, that won't work. You could try it, though. It would be a good, you know, conversation breaker. <laughs> but um, you, you don't feel the need to over-explain yourself. You, I, think you, I think in our heads we think people are going to, Oh, oh my God, she's not drinking. Can you believe she's not drinking? But just you know, like Jean was saying, most people don't care whether or not you're drinking. Just as you know, they just care that you're comfortable and that you're enjoying yourself. So, um, don't feel the need to go over the top with explaining yourself. I definitely fell into that trap, and I, I was one of those. I'm a blurter anyway, and so I would just sort of blurt out the most awkward things, and I. Took me a couple of difficult exchanges to realize that having a, like a one-line statement that I'm just going to say was helpful to me, even if I didn't use it. I just it, it kept me from, you know, finding the most awkward thing to say and just saying it out loud when I didn't mean to. <laughs> Social situation. <laughs> Another thing that is really important is to have an escape plan, and this doesn't even need to be an escape plan, meaning you're you know leaving for the entire evening. It can just be ways that you can. Find a way to take a little mental time out um, from any situation that might be getting, whether it's the proximity of alcohol or a difficult conversation. Um, if you can, absolutely bring your own car. And I would do this, you know, even when I was married, and I just didn't want to be the one that had to drag everybody home early if I needed to get out of there. And so sometimes my husband and I would even drive in separate cars, and um, I could sometimes use the kids in, as an excuse to say that they retired and needed to get home. Um, but I would I would plan in advance polite ways that I could dis- disengage if I needed to. And uh, that was really helpful to me and to have my own transportation. I would also sometimes plan on something that I could do afterwards as a little self-reward to myself to kind of decompress, um, listen to a a Zen podcast or go for a walk or just touching base with people that that fill me up 
with positivity. Those were things that I would plan on doing afterwards. And so um, kind of give us, even our giant bowl of ice cream, I mean, it doesn't have to be good for you. It could be something bad for you as long as it's not alcohol. But just something that would be a little reward at the end of um, at the end of the day, at the end of the evening, was really helpful to me too. Mm, delayed gratification. That's yes. A, yep. That's a great tool. Um, planning the exit in advance is a huge one. It's something I got in the habit of doing um, in early recovery. I don't feel like I need to do this as much anymore, but it really got me through a lot of social situations where. I would just politely say to the host as I came to something, you know, I may have to slip out quickly towards the end of the evening if I don't get a chance to say goodbye. Um, it's just because I got called away. And that way, if I needed to leave, I could just sort of duck out and not worry that, um, you know, anyone was going to worry. As long as the host kind of knew, oh, no, she said she might have to go, then you know you can just gracefully exit if you start to feel panicky or like you want to get out of there. Um, If you know that you're at an event where people at some point in the evening are kind of going to get settled in and get into the drinking and you don't want to be part of it, you don't have to. You can leave at that point. Um, I I kind of find parties sort of have an arc or a Christmas or holiday event sort of have an arc and there's sort of the, the... social chatter at the beginning and the you know there's there's sort of a pattern and when it turns to that pattern of where it's like getting into the grind of drinking and people are starting to get sloppy or noisy just that's a great time to just leave (laughs) and it's totally okay to do that absolutely yeah it used to be you know waiting leaving the last one to leave the party and now i'm kind of like an 11 o'clock person you know, it's like, okay, I, I came, I went, I had fun, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right when people start getting slot. When they start telling me the same story three times, I'm gone. <laughs> that's, that's one of my yeah. cues, too, yeah. Sober <laughs> start to repeat themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, like a shift. It is. It's it's really it's a just it's a it's amazing to watch and know that I used to do it worse than anyone. <laughs> um and I find it helpful too to think about the next morning when you're gonna be hangover free and rested. Um I just went to a wedding where actually people I we left well, left probably it might even been earlier than that, but left earlier, didn't stay till the end of the wedding, and then everyone was at breakfast the next morning, or I should say a good amount of people were at breakfast the next morning, not the same that amount that had been there the day before. And the ones that were there were, you know, looking a little little uh, worse for the wear. So I was, you know, bright and chipper and, you know, just happy to be you know wake up feeling good and refreshed and be in the beautiful mountains and you know it's just you know when you think you want to drink just remember what it used to feel like when you would wake up miserable and if you you know staying in bed all day and I, there's very few people who wake up the next morning and say oh I wish I had a drink last night you know once you're um once you're sober you really realize that we missed out on a lot of things um, you know, good the first half of a lot of weekend days for me, um, from just from the the hangover from the night before. So think about that, and that that can help keep your mind off of drinking when it when it strikes you that you want to drink. Absolutely, I, these are tools that we can use not just during the, the holiday season or social situations, but any time and and a, a you know a 
an ancillary to that is also thinking through the drink, not just thinking through the next morning and the consequences and the things that we would have missed out on, but also, and I, I mean, I really, I do use this one. I don't get really triggered to drink that much anymore, but when I start to, you know, if I'm, I was at a restaurant recently and I glanced over at the bar, and, you know, there's the sexy bottles all lined up on the mirrored backlit, you know, bar area, and every now and then I'll get a little tug of like, oh yeah, and then I'll remember, you know, that's there's there's absolutely no such thing as one drink for me, and there never has been. Um, I remind myself of all the times I said I was going to have one drink, and I failed. Um, in really early sobriety, the first time I got sober, I actually carried a, a list of of reminders of things that you know that I prefer not to think about, but that I needed to kind of touch upon in my own mind. And one of them was a visual exercise where instead of like the the beautiful sweating glass of cocktail or wine that I was going to be drinking, I pictured myself, you know, rummaging around trying to find a hidden bottle somewhere in my house because that's that's where it goes for me. It's not, mm-hmm. I um, it's just there's just absolutely nothing in a drink, and and reminding myself of those times can be like an instantaneous snap out of the romancing of, of um, the especially over the hot, you know, when there's everybody's. The glasses are clinking and everybody's celebrating and it just sort of feels like part of the whole tableau. It's just not mm-hmm. part of my tableau. It's just not part of the way things go for me um, any more than, you know, somebody with a peanut allergy could have a peanut butter sandwich and have it end well. I mean, it's the exact same scenario. It's nothing to do with who I am as a person. It's just the way that, that my body responds to alcohol. Mm, so true. That is true. One peanut, one chip, one... <laughs> You know, there's something you just don't want one of, one M&M. Why? Why? Why would you have one? Um, Another great thing to remember is just we, we spend all year building the holidays up in our mind. I mean, we have months and months of advertisements on TV about Christmas and um, or, you know, just turkey dinner images in our head and the the TV um, movies are playing, and we always think it's going to be this big thing, but really it's just 24 hours, and you sleep Mm. for eight of those 24 hours. So it's, you know, it's just an afternoon or it's just an evening, and you can really, you can get through that. It's really just, if you just break it down into little bits and, you know, we really think of sobriety as one day at a time, and it doesn't matter if you're, 24 hours sober or 24 years sober, you just you just have each day at a time. And, and if that day happens to be a holiday or a big event, then it is what it is, and you can get through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and if you're if you ha- if it really is just too overwhelming for you, go to bed. And it sounds silly, but I mean it's it it you know especially in early sobriety, I did a lot of sleeping. Sometimes it was just, you know, just dealing with life for the day um, was just, it was really hard. And so sometimes, you know, shutting your mind off and just going to bed and giving yourself time to heal, I mean, granted, it's not something you want to be doing forever, but even, you know, even now I've been sober for a while, but, you know, when life is overwhelming, sometimes I just take a nap. And, you know, um, and sometimes it's just a nap. Sometimes it can be going to bed early, you know, put the day to rest and wake up to a fresh new day. Um, Give yourself permission to do that. It's okay to take care of yourself. 
and I, I know that's something that we're not very good at, but it's it's it is okay to do that. You know, the holidays are very stressful, even when you aren't dealing with you know getting sober. So you know, to anyone who out there who out there who's listening, you know, if you're overwhelmed, take a nap. Be good to yourself. Mm, absolutely. And the the last two that we want to mention here also that this sort of turns into the shifting our perspective and shifting the way that we talk to ourselves and I think that we're all not we're all but a lot of a lot of us we hear it all the time we're prone to perfectionism and high expectations and oh my gosh there's no time where I'm more like that than over the holidays particularly if I'm hosting or entertaining in any way all of a sudden I hate my house I hate my decorations I hate my dishes I hate everything and I get I mean that that sort of that negative self-talk can really ramp up so a really powerful tool is to change the way we speak to ourselves and believe in yourself talk to yourself in the same way that you would talk to somebody else that you love that is struggling and Remind yourself that getting sober and staying sober takes a serious amount of bravery. It takes a lot of guts. And tell yourself that you're brave and that you're strong and that you're living an honest life and acknowledge how hard it is and acknowledge the ways in which that you might be suffering right at this moment, um, but that you're doing this because you care about yourself and because you're worth it. And with this guilt and the shame and the remorse, they start talking to you Remind yourself that that's that's your disease. It's sneaking in the back door. It's it's trying to to bring you back down again. And let your sober voice just let it ring loud and and true and proud in your heart. And uh, you know I would I still do this. I I, I excuse myself and go to the restroom and and talk to myself, whether out loud or internally, and just I'd say things like you can do this and you can do hard things and you're not alone and this isn't going to last forever and. And it just, it really, it's a, it's um, it can feel kind of ridiculous at first, but it becomes a practice. It becomes something that could really shift the my internal landscape as I'm in a situation. And um, you know, just remember to keep believing in yourself. I think we have to be really gentle with ourselves too. Like part of being a perfectionist is thinking, okay, I'm sober now, so I'm going to be perfectly sober, and I'm never mm. going to have cravings, oh. and I'm, you know, I'm going to do this right, and then you go to something that isn't part of your usual routine, which is pretty much the whole holidays, right? They take us out of our usual yeah. routine. And then we don't have a normal. Like, we think we're going to know exactly how to be, but, I mean, it only comes up every once in a while, so there's no real normal to feel. So it is really likely that you're going to have some cravings or some triggers in those situations, and that's when you have to really be patient with yourself and forgiving and not think, oh, great, like, well, I screwed this up now, or, <laughs> or uh-huh. um, you know, I'm such a loser for having cravings. Like, that is completely normal. Alcohol is addictive. It's normal to get addicted to it. That's a normal response to an addictive substance. We know that with cigarettes. We know it with crack. I don't know why it surprises us that we get addicted to alcohol. But uh-huh. it's not easy to get sober. And so, yes, like, having cravings is totally normal. So forgive yourself for that and just know that you have to prepare for them and you have to be ready to talk yourself through them rather than um, pretend that they're never going to happen. It's it's a reality and it's just part of your new normal and you'll pass through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, it, and actually we were talking about this before the show went live, one thing that's important too is be, where, be careful of, you know, if you choose to go 
to an event, um, you know, that has a, a lot of alcohol being served, and you and you make it through without craving a drink, or with, and you you know, you get home and you're like, wow, I did it, you know, I you know, I I didn't drink and I didn't want to drink. Be very careful of the next day or the the following days because just being around alcohol can trigger us. And um, sometimes it can make you feel overconfident, or the next day, you know, the next day, or you can say, "Look, I got through that. I deserve a drink." So be really cautious of the the whole season, not just the particular day. You know, getting through a particular uh-huh. moment um, because it can sneak up on you. Just being around, you know, what you know, my my family. I don't think there's that many alcoholics in it but they, I know that they drink a lot more on the holidays so you know being around them there's a lot of drinking going on and um, so it, it can be certainly very triggery but more it, even after the fact not even just in the in the moment mm-hmm. well it can be very sneaky yeah and also and, um, we just because you made it through a party without drinking does not mean you're cured and that you can drink socially the next night. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That trips I've, I've people, heard that voice talking to me before. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, I'm not. That I voice could be. Totally got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, that's that voice that Very kept me drinking for an extra 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can go one day without drinking. I can just drink my face off every day. <laughs> exactly. That just that proves that that negates decades worth of evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, another thing, you know, kind of along with what Ellie was saying about believing yourself is um, in changing your outlook on things is to be grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, there is such a difference when you can make the shift and um, be grateful for being sober. And it, it doesn't come easy at first. Most of us kind of go kicking and screaming. And so it, it's helpful to make a gratitude list and carry it with you of the things that, you know, you've either gotten back in your life or things that you've, you've newly um, encountered or, you know, started participating in now that you're sober and you're doing different things or things that you're noticing, your health improving, you know, just things that you're that you're grateful for and just focus on them versus focusing focusing on the negative or what we perceive as the negative of oh I can't drink. Um just anything that comes your way, really if you can turn find the good part of the situation, it will get better. And it takes oh, practice yeah. though, so Making a gratitude list, you know, you've heard us talk before. We did a whole show on gratitude, and there's gratitude groups out there where people, um, you know, just share the different things that they're grateful for each day. And, you know, there is a saying that a grateful heart will never drink, and I I really, truly believe that to be true. I do, too, and I I have this thing that I've I've come to call sort of like grumpy gratitude, where... Grudgingly, like, all right, I'll make a effing <laughs> gratitude list, and I'll I'll sit there and think of things. But it, it, you know, it's that fake it till you make it mentality. Sort of, I can be in a situation that I, you know, around people I really don't want to be with, and they're talking about things that don't interest me at all, and they all have a drink in their hand and small talk and blah, and I just don't want to be part of any of it. 
and I'll do like a grumpy gratitude list. I'll say, okay, you know, fine. What am I? What am I grateful for right now? If, instead of because I can just get so overwhelmed with that perspective of this is not where I want to be or who I want to be with, and I can get that sort of foot stompy kind of impulsive, impatient little girl in me, and and saying things instead of like I have to be here. Like I I get to be here. I get to you know, especially if I'm around my kids or. You know, I have something coming up that I've been wanting to be able to do. I'll say, I get to be present in my life. I get to be healthy. I get to be, you know, sober. And I don't always believe it in the moment, but it absolutely prevents me from sliding full bore into that vortex of, you know, self-pity and feeling like, you know, just looking around and everything I see is something I can't have. There's lots of things that I can have now. The only thing I can't have really is one thing, a drink one thing um but you know i don't feel it every time so say it to yourself even if you don't think you mean it because it really does help mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and lastly lastly just you know please just remember to be proud of yourself this is this is really it's a really big deal and you know I, in my early recovery i was going to meetings and i went out and i found a recovery community pretty early on and one of the best things about a recovery community, we talk about that a lot on the bubble hour, is you get the positive reinforcement. You get people who understand why it's really hard to go to the grocery store when you're newly sober and everything's overwhelming. You get people who can give you a parade for mowing your lawn without a beer. You can get, I mean, you get people who are really like, rah, rah, go you. And then I would go and be around my family or other people who aren't in recovery and to no fault of their own, they don't. They don't understand that because they that these are things that they do all the time without drinking, and it doesn't. So I can find myself um, just thinking again into that that sort of negative self talk, the shame talk, and and um, I you know I have the power to change my own thoughts. I don't have the power to control the people around me, but I can say you know I'm I'm doing a really really hard thing here, and I'm proud of myself, and I know it's mm-hmm. going to be worth it, and. Um, that's a, the only antidote. Gratitude and self-care are the only two antidotes that I really know for the shame and guilt when they come on pretty strong. So take a moment and give yourself credit for staying strong because you are worth it. We are all worth it. You're here. You're here. That's a yeah. uh, by no means a comprehensive list, but I think it's it's re, we tried to hit on the highlights of both sort of logistical, situational, and emotional things that you can do to protect yourself and prepare in advance. And we just wanted to take a few moments um, in the last part of the show here just to kind of share a couple short stories or experiences of things that we have done in early sobriety or that we're doing maybe even this year that might be different, just to kind of share our own experiences of things that have worked or or not worked for us in the past and some of the things that we've learned um, to be our most valuable tool. So, uh, Jean, can we start with you to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I just... The first thing that comes to my mind is that there's a number of people who, when I told them that I had quit drinking, um, the first thing out of their mouth, and I think it was just because they were trying to be lighthearted and maybe I made them uncomfortable, but the first thing that they said was, awesome, you can be our DD, our designated driver. (laughs) And I think they, you know, they meant it jokingly, but the fact is when you have someone in a group that doesn't drink, everyone just assumes that you're their safe driver for the night. And I um, think that it is the most important thing you can do is to make it clear to everyone that you are not going to be anybody's driver that night except your own. 
Um, you can say it nicely. Oh, I have to. I'm on call for work, or uh, you know, my dog is sick. I might have to leave, so I'm going to take my own car. Whatever reason you give, um, don't be responsible for everyone else getting home, or else you're going to have to stay to the end of the night, whether you want to or not. So, especially true during the holidays. Good advice all year long. You are not responsible for anyone else's ride home. <laughs> Get yourself oh, mm-hmm. great advice. And I say that even my husband and I had this talk early on that I just said, listen, if I need to leave, I need to leave. So don't be upset if you end up having to take a cab home. Like, I don't think you should have to leave just because I want to. I'm fine if you stay. But if I'm gone, it's not because I've left in a half or anything. I just I just needed to go. So in early mm-hmm. sobriety, for me, there was plenty of nights when he took a cab home even just an hour or two later than me, because I, when I needed to go, it was like immediate. I want out right now. And by the way, I did then often go and buy ice cream on my way home <laughs> as a reward for getting it through. For getting through, yeah, and absolutely. also because then I was going to go home to an empty house and feel weird about not being at a party and blah, blah, blah. So it's great. You know what? A little ice cream and a little Netflix is good self-care. So that, I think, is absolutely. really important. Um, and I I am a social anxiety girl, and I'm working on that. But one thing that I really built up in my mind um, around the holidays especially was that dread of, like, oh, it's going to be like this, and I'm going to go here, and this is going to happen, and it's going to be this awkwardness. And I would really kind of obsess about how awkward it was going to be. And I learned to just shift my thinking a few minutes after the moment of awkwardness into how I would diffuse the awkwardness. So as you said earlier, Ellie, like don't just practice how to say no to a drink or how to you know, say whatever. Like actually practice it out loud so that it feels mm-hmm. a little bit more natural coming out of your mouth. So write down a few comebacks like, Oh no, thanks, I'm good with this. Hey, did you get your Christmas shopping done? Like <laughs> Yeah. Use that, yeah. Right? And move on. Um so I really I practiced a lot of that and that helped me out so much. And I also would take a few minutes because I felt like, oh, I'm going to be boring and I'm not going to be fun and and nobody's going to want to be around me. I would like look up a couple jokes online. It sounds corny, but before I went to a party, I'd look up a couple jokes and I'd read the few things in the news so I kind of knew what was going on. And then I would just remember to ask like three questions like are you going away for Christmas? Are you done your Christmas shopping? So what do you want for Christmas? Like just get people to talk about themselves. And um, uh, so focus more on how your things you can say, actions you can take versus obsessing about awkward mm-hmm. moments because it's all, really they all point. follow one another. Um, we talked a little bit well, about self-care and um, this time of year, like, it's really hard to get into your hairdresser and all that stuff, so I would phone, like, as soon as you can, phone and book those things over the holidays. If you know that you have a Christmas party or something you need to get to and you're really not looking forward to it, maybe um, book yourself a massage for a little bit earlier that day or a pedicure or something just so that you can have a little bit of self-care and know that you're relaxed or looking your best or something. It's hard to get those things at the last minute, so planning ahead is, you know, goes a long way. And then the most important thing I did even this year was I just did a little bit less. Like 
you're not going to believe this because um, I am like the craziest Christmas decorator. I'm an interior decorator, and I design show homes, and this is what I do for a living. So I've always felt so much pressure that my house has to be perfect at Christmas time. And this year I only put out a small tree, and I have boxes and boxes of decorations, and I decided I'm only taking out the white ones. And <laughs> so out of each box, I only took out the white ones and put out all this white stuff, and I put three out of four boxes of decorations away again. And wow. I just have less in my house. It's less to clean. Good for you. It's less to put away in January. It still looks nice. It still looks Christmassy. And, you know, I think when I've I've really learned a lot about codependency and how um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to worry about how others see us or what others think or how we're making other people feel. And that's not real, and that's not... It's not even true most of the time. It's what we project um, other people are thinking and feeling about us. So it really comes down to just a little bit less is okay, especially if it's your first year of sobriety. You know what? Like, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't. You don't have to pressure yourself to do all this stuff. Like, just do a little less. Do a lot less. Do nothing if you want. Like. Christmas mm-hmm. is coming again next year. Thanksgiving is coming again next year. Take a year off if you need to. It's okay. So, Absolutely. Oh, great this, advice. It's like the, the, this little plain Christmas tree I have, which is still pretty, it's just much smaller. It's almost symbolic of like just how much easier I am going on myself right now in life in general. Oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, that's that's really good stuff. Giving really yourself that advice. permission. So mm-hmm. important, and also sort of thinking like, what what exactly do I think is going to happen if I don't have a perfect cr- Christmas tree, or if you know exactly. that it's just that it, it's all it's that it's that perfectionism is masking fear of something that isn't real, as you pointed out to begin right. with. It's, fear of criticism, yeah, fear of judgment that isn't really there probably to begin with. Well, you know, one last yeah. thing I think is really great to do is just you know if you have family and you feel pressure that. You want to give your children the perfect holiday or, you know, your family has expectations of you. It's really good to just take a quick informal survey and say, what's your favorite thing that we do? What's your favorite part about all of this? Or, you know, what's your favorite dish that we have during the holidays? Because really if you're making pierogies and cabbage rolls and turkey and ham and all of this food and your kids really only like the mashed potatoes, (laughs) you can cut your menu back a little so a lot, I, I, yeah. I found out that that was true for my kids. Their their favorite thing about Christmas was just these scones that I make on Christmas morning, and you know they really don't care if we have taco pie for Christmas dinner. Um, as long as those those scones are there on on Christmas morning, that's their favorite thing. So maybe you could take a little bit of pressure off yourself by just actually finding out what people really do value, and taking some of the other stuff off your plate. You know what I love about that too, Jean, is that, and I, I know it's for me. I mean, I got sober the first time in August, and I'm still mucking through so much shame and guilt and remorse, and thinking about you know, when the holidays came for the first time. You know, all those memories of hungover Christmas mornings where I wasn't fully present, or the drunken Christmas eves where I didn't even have Scotch tape in the house. I mean, there was all these memories that will kind of, kind of would pop up out of the blue. And they can really kind of take you down at the knees, and and um, 
there, I was motivated a lot out of guilt. You know, I wanted to make mm-hmm. this perfect because I had ru- I had ruined so many Christmases. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. so all about me and so shame driven. Asking simple questions like, "What do you? What's your favorite thing? Or what do you want to do?" is is a really great way to help steer yourself away from from that path into the past, which doesn't get us anywhere. I mean, we're we're moving forward here. That's right. um, and so that you you really can focus your energies on the things that mean the most, and it can kind of quiet those voices that are way louder in your head than than they need to be. Definitely. Um, and Allie, you know, I gotta tell you, yeah, we definitely used band aids instead of tape. <laughs> oh, I love you. Yeah, good. So you're not alone. Well, the irony is that if I needed to use Band-Aids as a person in recovery, I'd be like, look at me go. I'm badass. I'm using Band-Aids. I don't care because I'm not, you know, like. Yeah, it's funny. In recovery. It's all the context in which we talk to ourselves over it. If I didn't have scotch tape now, I'd be like, well, we're having a tapeless Christmas, kids. Let's go. You know, it wouldn't, even, wouldn't phase me a bit. So I can, I can absolutely do things like that. Sober or drunk, it's just it's, right. again changing that perspective we had. It, right, you know that's the freedom. Just the shame right? talking. That's all it that's is. The gift exactly. of recovery is the freedom to not be perfect and not be yourself. <laughs> I think it. I might just I might just wrap my gifts in band aids just because you know <laughs> I like that. Pretty and cool. Make them <laughs> colors. I could make them red and green. I suppose I don't know. <laughs> Amanda, oh, how about you? Great. Is there something that you wanted to talk about for? Sure. Well, I was. I, I loved. I loved what you had to say, Jean. And I was just thinking when you were talking about the designated driver, Ellie was all of ninety days sober, maybe, and she was <laughs> my designated driver when we went to our high school, our twenty-year high school reunion. And we went to. I dragged her to a pre-party, then to the reunion, and then to an after-party. And because I was, you know, and I, I thought I was behaving myself, which I'm sure I wasn't. And it was your version of behaving yourself. (laughs) Yeah, my version. And what a bad idea. And, you know, I appreciate that Ellie did that for me, but oh, what a bad idea. I mean, I. It was a terrible idea. It was. You owe her. I do, forever. I, I look back now. I think we were sitting. And, I, we're sitting in this sort of smoky room at two o'clock in the morning, and everybody is absolutely out of their minds. And I'm sitting in the corner, going, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> that was a bad idea. And you know, and I was totally oblivious. Like you know, sober me. If someone put me in that situation, I would be like, "You're an ass. Get let's get out of here." I would have no no part of it. And um, which is actually one thing I wanted to talk about was standing up for yourself, which is something that um, most of us, because of our, you know, because of that perfectionism and people pleasing, and I have it, I have it pretty bad. Most people wouldn't know that about me, but you know, uh, I'm a people pleaser, and you know, learning to say no, or I love what you said, Jean, about picking out the favorite thing that you know people like about the holidays because I know for me you know for my mom my mom used to make spanakopita I couldn't care about a single other thing that was made for Christmas as long as I got my spinach pie I was mm-hmm. I was happy you know that was mm-hmm. something that you know she generally only made at Christmas that's all I wanted it's pretty much all I ate and it was really the one thing um and we we talk a lot about you know a lot of people are triggered by cooking, 
So give your, mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. permission to, um, one, if you're the person that always hosts it, you don't have to host it this year. Mm-hmm. You can say, you know what, I really, you know, we're, you can you can use a white lie. You can say, you know, we're doing some renovations at the house or, you know, our oven broke. I, I really just can't do it this year. Can someone else host it at their house this year? You don't have to have everybody at your house. You don't mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. to, you you just, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. And that's something that's very hard to learn is that we, you know, it, it may be a tradition that's been done for years, but you don't have to. You know, one year, you know, people get sick. You know, I remember one year, you know, my parents both got the flu and we stayed home for Christmas. And, you know, it was very unusual because, you know, we always went to my father's side of the family during the day and then my mother's side of the family at night. And, you know, we were always, I've always traveled on the holidays to, to usually to both sides of the family. And, you know, that year we stayed home. So there's no reason why you can't stay home just to protect your sobriety. And my very first Thanksgiving, um, I was 90 days sober, and um, uh, right before Thanksgiving, and I had actually just gotten out of a two-week treatment program, and my boyfriend broke up with me, and I was an emotional disaster. And I had thought about going to Thanksgiving with my family, and I just, I was like, I can't be around alcohol, period. I just can't do it. And so I didn't go. And I, a friend, actually Ellie came over in the evening. I was invited to a couple other things, but I, I chose to go to meetings during the day. And then Ellie came over and hung out with me at night, and we went to a meeting and I had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but I chose to stay home because I just really didn't think I could handle it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so standing up for yourself is not a, is, is, you know, something that you need to do because your sobriety, especially, especially in early sobriety, is, is just you have to protect it like a little baby. Like you have a little, someone used to say, it's like having a little baby bird in your hands. That's mm-hmm. your sobriety. And you just have to take care of that little baby bird until it's, you know, it gets, it develops its wings and it can fly. You really, really chicken have to hawk. protect it. <laughs> yeah, chicken hawk. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's that's a really important point too, Amanda. And I and I hope that I can articulate this um, coherently. But it's especially important if you if you're in that space and I'll say this for me because I was here for a long time where you don't want to drink anymore but you're not 100% sure you want to be sober either you know people would talk about protecting my sobriety and I would sort of think oh I don't even know if I want to I just know that I don't want to drink anymore and I want my life to get better so putting myself in a situation where I was around alcohol or where I could you know impulsively drink or be emotionally triggered um, you know even though I wasn't 100% sure about this whole recovery thing, I knew that in order to keep myself safe and give myself a fighting chance of, of seeing what this is all about, I just couldn't be around it. Because um, you know, there's a lot of people that I think they're sort of in that questioning phase and they're not really sure ultimately where, the, where you know, which path they're going down or what direction it's going to take them. They just they need to not feel awful all the time anymore. And that's a great way to not feel awful all the time anymore. Just don't put yourself in a situation where it could happen. Um, because we're rewiring impulses and addictions that we took years or even thought patterns that we took years to develop. And so just by doing something new, we're automatically doing something caring for ourselves. 
and not putting ourselves in a dangerous situation. Because that was my my when I was relapsing over and over again in early recovery the first time around, that was my that was my pattern. I would get this sort of false sense of confidence, and I can do this, and I'm not going to stay away from social events just because I quote unquote can't drink, and I'm going to show them whoever they are that I can. And I would it would just be a completely impulsive thing. I had no power against it of picking up a drink. So I love that you point out that you can make different decisions ahead of time and then you don't have to make the harder decisions down the road. Very yeah, important. Yeah, you know what? Actually, it was it was you, Ellie, in an earlier episode of The Bubble Hour when I was very first getting sober that said, um, you know, do everything different. Like, come into your house through a different door because it's those routines that, like, alcohol was yeah. such a part of the routine. Like, I feel this way and I fix it with a drink and then this happens and I have a drink and then I sit in this chair and I have a drink. And, and uh-huh. um, and when we kind of start to think like, and then I go to my parents for Christmas, and then someone says this, and I, you know, and it just, yep. it's, it's it's such a knee-jerk reaction to so many things that recovery and sobriety really is about just learning new ways to do everything, and um, or yeah, just just reapproaching everything, and our addiction can build up in our mind that like, but I have to do it this way. Everyone expects this of me, like we think we're so much import, more important than we really are. So sometimes that's our addiction telling us, like, you have to be there. Everyone needs you to be there. And, it, you know, it's not really true. And um, it can be a way that we stay stuck, right? So breaking and it's those practicing old bonds you know, is important. It's such a good point, Gina. It's practicing new boundaries. I mean, it, it's we make it – well, actually, we're not making it sound easy, but just to be, to be able to say no or make – New plans or new make to build new traditions, even if people around you get upset, you know yeah. you could get pushed back and but you always host, and what about your spinacopita, and how are we gonna you know how are we all going to continue to exist on the planet if you don't do things the way we've always done them and it's that's where practicing new boundaries and self care that i mean i I know for my all I would need is a little bit of resistance or a little bit of a guilt trip or anything, and I would put myself right at the bottom of the pile, right. and so putting that boundary up even if almost especially if you get resistance from people who are trying to get you to you know participate in old traditions or patterns it's, that's that's the part of the new practice of putting yourself and your sobriety first it's mm-hmm. hard and that you'll you'll likely need other people who you can lean on to say wow you know I'm I'm not cooking the turkey this year and boy my mom is so mad she can hardly see straight do it anyway that's you know we're yeah. breaking these old patterns of of falling, right. you know, victim to others' expectations of us, and so it's hard. But it's, you know, believe me, they they get they rec- they get over it, and they get over it a lot faster than they would if you forced yourself to do it, had resentments, and ended up drinking again. So it's exactly. uh, thinking it all through. And yeah, let, letting um, something new will emerge, right? A new it, a new it tradition. Always does. Yeah, it always does. I I have a similar situation. Um, this year, I, because my, uh, you know, last year was actually my first Thanksgiving um, as a divorced parent, and my kids were with my ex-husband, and I didn't have anywhere to go, and I ended up going to uh, a sober friend's house for Thanksgiving, and it was it was such an odd mix of extreme gratitude for having a place to be and safe people to be with, and 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 it's this really weird feeling like this is all wrong. Like the, this is when we watch the football game, and this is when we do this. And the, you know, it was a it was a really odd sensation of kind of things are really different this year. But it ended up being so amazing in its own in its own right. And this year, I have the children, and my, the rest of my 
family of origin is off doing different things, and I had this kind of this whole dialogue with myself, like, oh crap, now I have to learn how to cook a turkey. I'm 46 years old. I've never cooked a turkey, and I have to find china that matches. And we all have to sit around the table with a tablecloth, and we have to have these perfect crystal cups. And I thought, no, we no we don't. You know, like I'm sober. <laughs> it was actually another friend of mine. He was like, you're sober. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And it was this instantaneous shift of, you know what? I can. I can make completely different choices. And we're, you know, I booked a three-day stay at a resort with a water park instead. And we're going to have Thanksgiving at a water park because why not? Instead mm-hmm. of trying to make my Thanksgiving look like it's always looked, which is going to remind me of ways of which it's not the way it always was. And, you know, who's going to sit in my ex's chair? And do I take the chair away from the table? Or how do I, you know, I just removed all of that. And um, we're starting something new this year. And or maybe not even starting. We're just doing something new, and it felt so freeing to realize that this isn't. I'm not running away from everything. I'm just building, building up a new life because I can make any choice that I want to. Damn it! I love it's awesome. it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Really cool. So we're getting towards the end of the show, and um, oh, Ellie, can I, I hope, can I add yeah. one thing? Um, of course. One thing I just thought of. <laughs> so. Um, I ended up, so I said I stayed home for Thanksgiving, but then I went to Christmas, and there were just a couple of quick little things. Is One, um, be a little bit, make sure you know what you're eating. And this was really funny. <laughs> so one of my closest aunts made her trifle, which she makes every year. And I've never thought a thing of it. And I was, I happened to be, I was at her house because I was living with her at the time. Or, or I don't know. I, I, I was at her house when she was making the trifle. I was going to Christmas Eve with her, and so she had the chocolate cake, and she pours about a half a bottle of Kahlua in it, and then <laughs> goes to like chop it up and put it in there. And I'm looking at her, and, then, and she goes, oh, oh, she goes, oh my god, she goes, I totally <laughs> forgot. And I had never, I mean, I had had it a million times. I didn't even know it had Kahlua in it. <laughs> and, uh, yep. But she wasn't wasn't even thinking at all about, you know, that there was she was putting booze and food at a function where she was very aware that I was sober. She was at my intervention, did not want me drinking. <laughs> and I just didn't think twice <laughs> about what Technically, she was Technically, you making. weren't drinking. You'd be eating. Yeah. But. Right, so, that's but, where so, my brain goes. Right. So I, we, um, she actually, she had a little bit of cake left, so she made this little mini trifle for me and my dad because we were the two that didn't drink in the family. So, Great point, um, just, though. Mm-hmm. yeah, and because it is that, a good that point. Yeah. Once with tiramisu at work, like I took, I took a bite of tiramisu, and then, it, and and I realized I was like. Oh my God! This has booze in it, and I, I mean, it was the teeniest, teeniest bite. And I, I handed the piece of cake to my friend. I'm like, Oh my God! Take this! I just, and, but my brain was popping like all day long. Like, Ooh, you just tasted booze. You know, it was, it was very yeah. triggery. It was strange, and it was, it was yep. um, really just, it, it really tripped me out because it was probably the one drop of alcohol that I've, you know, like the the teeniest drop. And it it just it really set my brain just it it lins, it instantly lit up like hey I remember what that hey, is I remember that yeah <laughs> just, just the taste and so even just a, a sip is very triggery or you know a food that has you know that's you know like rum cake don't have rum cake 
<laughs> at least that has the courtesy of having chocolate. rum in the name. Right. I know. <laughs> but that, that can happen, that, too, with, with drinks. You can pick up the wrong drink, things like You just have to be vigilant about those things. Yeah, be, be be very vigilant. The other thing that was really funny is so my whole family knew that I was sober, and so they had said okay, we they weren't – there was never a lot of alcohol at my grandfather's house on Christmas Eve anyways, but they said – you know, we're not going to have any drinking. You know, Mandy's newly sober. You know, we don't want we don't want to you know upset her. So no drinking at the house. So I'm sitting there in the kitchen, and my cousins are like, each one going outside for like five or ten minutes at a time, and then coming back in. <laughs> I knew exactly what was going on, and so I finally <laughs> just said to them, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, are you guys going outside to drink? And they're like, Yeah, we're not supposed to drink in front of you. And I'm like. Well, that's very nice of you, and I and I don't mind, and I I really appreciate that. But my I guess my point is, if if your family knows you're not drinking and they do something like that, I hear people all the time like, I was so offended, I can't believe they, you know, they changed their plans for me. Instead of being offended or getting upset or feeling uncomfortable about uh, uncomfortable about it, be grateful. You know, be grateful that yeah. they care. And they just want you to be safe. That you know, most people that don't, you know, have this disease don't know how to handle it. And sometimes they they can be really goofy about it. And you know, they're they're just trying to be helpful. They're not trying right. to make you feel bad or make you feel different or anything like that. They're just trying to help you out because they love you. So I know a lot of people in that same situation. I've heard them get really pissed off and or really upset and just you know if something like that happens you know i was just very grateful i was like that's really sweet i know exactly what you're doing but it's still it's really <laughs> sweet that you're doing it <laughs> so that's, that's a good point that's a very good point all right well we're at the end of the show um and i'd like to thank jean and amanda for walking us through these these tips and tools to not just get through our holidays, but also to enjoy ourselves and keep ourselves safe and as sane as we possibly can in what can be a pretty insane time. And as we close the show, we'd like to direct you, as we always do, to our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now and other initiatives around recovery advocacy. Visit the Bubble Hour's website at thebubblehour.com to find a link to many recovery resources, including Jean's blog, Unpickled, and my blog, One Crafty Mother. Our email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please let us know your feedback about tonight's show and any other topic suggestions you may have. We thank you all for listening to the Bubble Hour, and if you are celebrating Thanksgiving this week, may it be a safe and happy and sober Thanksgiving and the rest of your holiday season, and we hope you all have a great evening. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Bye, Bye, Amanda. Bye, Ellie. Bye, Jean. Good night.